All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity and privilege it is to do this. Um, it's been four, this is our fourth week, and I've been enjoying it, uh, brushing off the cobwebs and getting back to study. I share it with somebody, it's a different approach altogether. And uh, I enjoy it, it's been, a, it's been encouraging, and uh, it's rekindled, for sure, a desire to uh, preach and to pastor again. So praise the Lord for that, and uh, let's see what the Lord does with that. If you would go to Psalms 116, um, I'm battling if I want to go through the outline or not. You know, I've been going through the word, going through the word anchored as, a, as an acronym, and we're at the part where I was, I was supposed to combine O and R today. And in order to finish on time with the outline, by next week, it was supposed to be, you know, A-N-C-H-O-R-E-D. Well, next week, I might have to do have a red Sunday because I'm stuck on O. And um, there's a lot of things I wanted to, I literally laid out my heart about. And um, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the outline just because the enormity of the topic. Um, this past well, Sunday, I was, you know, I already have it outlined in my Bible what I was, what, the, what the each letter stood for, what I was going to teach on. And I did this back in April or May when a pastor first approached me on it. And I started writing it down. I have it listed in my Bible, and I've got everything down, my sub-notes, and I've just got to put this, you know, put the skeleton, you know, put me on the skeleton. And if anybody knows me, I like putting meat on skeleton, right? So, um, so I was going through that, and then this past Sunday, I was going through, and pastor pastor started talking and all of a sudden a rabbit popped up its head and I, I, I said I'm not chasing that rabbit and I wrote something down and then five more rabbits popped up so I chased that bunny trail during this last Sunday morning sermon and then at the nursing home I covered the, covered the nursing home service and um, I just shared a little bit of what God was leading in my heart with this coming for this coming week and then Tuesday we went to a pastor's fellowship and um, the, the preacher, the second preacher got up there and just kind of mentioned about prayer, started talking about prayer in his sermon. And I kid you not, like half of what he was saying was already written down in my Bible. So for those of you who are at the Preacher's Fellowship, I'm stealing his thunder, he stole mine. But uh, I believe it's something that God really wants us to know about, and that is about prayer. And I was thinking, well, prayer doesn't start with the letter O, but it does. Oration. All right, the word oration is a synonym of the word prayer. So I had to go through the source to find this word, so I'm still in alliterated text. So we're still in alliterated text, but even simpler, I want to talk to you about two subjects today about obedience and offerings. And, when, and let, me, let me say this as well. When we talk about obedience, we ought to understand that when we're talking about obedience, it ought to, ought to automatically ties in that of offerings. And offerings is that of obedience. In Malachi chapter 3, God is talking to the nation of Israel saying, Hey, where's my sacrifices? Where's my tithes? Where are my offerings? And he says, Wherein have you robbed me? You've robbed me in tithes and in offerings. If you think that money is not important to God, you're misunderstanding things. God cares about money. Now, God is not desperate about money. The love of money is the root of all evil. God's not interested in our money. He's interested in us being totally dependent on Him and leaving everything we have to Him. And if we, have, if we can find, if we're, if we're living our life in a, in a set, satisfactory mode where God can't disrupt us and change our our circumstances, change our life, change what we're doing. 
in the past six months, God has taken me by the back of the neck and has shaken me and has left me with nothing left to do but to turn to God. Isn't that sad? For a preacher, I've been saved for 35 years, 36 years. For a preacher, longer than that, wow, 37. I've been, I've been saved longer than I've been, almost as long as I've been alive. Isn't it sad for a Christian to say that God has taken me to the only thing I have left to do is trust Him? That's sad that he's got to bring a man to that level. Men ought to praise the Lord for his goodness. Men ought to be there regardless. Men ought to be there to start off. But we get sufficient in our life. We get sufficient in the blessings of God that we turn our eyes off God. We turn our eyes away from all that God has given, and we literally just lose sight of what he wants from us. Dependence. To trust him, to fear him, to lean on him. And it's not a weak-minded thing. I was thinking yesterday, I had a lot of time to think, dangerous. But I was thinking yesterday, and, there's, and I was thinking, why is it surprising that when a doctor gets saved? Isn't that true? Well, I was the deleted doctor, Lord. <gasps> Whoa, a doctor. Whoa, he's educated. He's well off. Do, well not, do not well off people need Jesus too? Why, why are we, you know, I was thinking, okay, why, why do churches change how they approach soul winning, how they preach evangelism and, and passing out tracts? And I separate those on purpose, right? So why do we change how we do things? And we, when we witness to the affluent, we almost just invite them to come to church, almost as if we're ashamed to invite them to come to church. Why? Did not Nicodemus need Jesus too? And it made me stop and realize everybody needs, you know, I knew everybody needed the Lord, but it made me stop and realize, hey, whether a doctor gets saved or a pauper gets saved, hey, God did something miraculous and wonderful when he reached down and saved that wretch. And it made me, and just, and it, it just, it just re, you know, puts you back into focus on some things. I'm not going to get to my outline today. Psalms 116. Psalms 116, if you're there, say, oh, me. All right. And I apologize. I'm trying to teach. But it's not going to work, all right? I'm going to share, right, from my heart. I was telling somebody today that I said, I'm, my, my, natural inst- my natural me is cynical and sarcastic, so I apologize. Just kidding. Psalms 116, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. What is that? Prayer. Verse number two, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, how does, he God, inclear his, how does God incline his ear unto us? Through prayer. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. What is call upon him? It's, it's more than prayer. It's when we call upon the name of the Lord, we're putting our trust in him. It's more, you know, some, some people say, oh, the sinner's prayer doesn't actually save. Well, when we call upon the name of the Lord, we're actually invoking on him to save us. We're actually calling upon him in full dependence. Lord, save me. Just like Peter. Lord, save me. It's dependence on him. So, Calling upon the name of the Lord is prayer, but it's also part of belief. It's all wrapped up into one. That's why Romans 10, 13 has worked for centuries that people now just want to argue about. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got, got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. Why, why, why then? Why do we wait till rainy days to call on the Lord? Lord, I need you. I need you when the, when the, when the, when the sun is shining. I, I need you when the rain is falling. God, I need you. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. Amen. The Lord preserveth the simple. Amen again. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Hey, self. Hey, Tim. Return. Return. Return unto rest. Return unto thy rest. Come unto me, all that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Go back to your rest. Stop trying to take things under control. Stop trying to take the world by, you know, stop trying to take control of the world. Stop trying to take the horse by the reins. Stop trying to take every, let go of the horns of the altar and just trust in God. Depend on him. Have faith. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore, have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? That's the sacrifice of praise. I'm not going to be able to do justice to all these areas this morning. I'm going to go through as quick as I can, but I do want to focus on prayer. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 17, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. A lot of times we look at sin as things that we commit, but it's also the things that we don't do. The Bible says don't kill. Anyone here kill before? Anyone ever steal before? Has anyone ever committed adultery? Has anyone ever had graven images? No, of course not. We're Baptists, amen? We're good moral citizens, amen? Sure. That was sarcasm back there. I loved it. But to love our enemy? The Bible says don't do those things, but it says to do these things, to love our enemy. Well, it's easy. You just don't have any enemies. I don't have to love anyone, <laughs> but I love our enemies. To do, do, to, to do good to those who despitefully use us. Bless those who curse us. Obedience, obedience sometimes has, had us, has us not doing the spiritual things that we want to do. Do you realize there's things spiritually that you want to do that God says no? In Acts 16, Paul wanted to go to Bithynia. He wanted to go to other parts of the world. And God told him no. He wanted to go west and go towards America. Amen. God bless America. That's what he would have had a real life. But he wanted to go towards the west, and God said no. He wanted to go to the east and go towards China. He probably would have got COVID. God said no. He wanted to go south. And God said no. No, you can't go south. By the way, going south is wicked. Every time I've gone south, one of us has ended up in the hospital almost dead, right? So I'm telling you, going south is not the answer. All you snowbirds, bless God. I'm telling you, snowbirds right there. No, going south is not the answer. 
But then he prayed, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And he had the, vi the vision of the Macedonian call. And he went north. He went into Asia Minor, went into Greece, went into Turkey, went into Asia Minor. And what great things were done for the cause of Christ on that second missionary journey because of that. Sometimes we want to do something and God flat out says no. Obedience sometimes has us doing some ridiculous things. Now, I'm going to say some things, and these are all things found in the Bible. You ready for it? Sacrifice your, your, your son. Now, depending on how well your son is, I'm sure some of us would have no problem. But it's sacrifice their son, that only son, Isaac, right? Now, he had another son, but he sent him off, Ishmael, right? And then he had Isaac. He says, take Isaac and sacrifice him. Lord, I, excuse me, I... I didn't quite understand that. I, can you repeat that? It sounded like you said to sacrifice the child of promise that I've waited my entire life for. The one that in, all, that in him, all, you know, in me, all the nations of the world will be blessed, but then you're gonna, you gave me Isaac, the son of my old age, and now you're asking me to sacrifice him. I think I've got a bad connection. Can you repeat that? Come again? I think something wrong with my hearing aid. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that conversation with 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 uh, what's his wife, Sarah? Hey, Sarah. Yes, Abraham. Good news and bad news. What's that? Good news. I talked to the Lord today. Oh, that's wonderful. God has been so good to us. Well, honey, he he wants me to do something. Whatever he says, do it. He wants me to sacrifice my son. <laughs> Say that, come again, do what? Let me talk to God for you. You probably messed it up. Sacrifice your son, right? What about this one? Eat a scroll. Ezekiel had to eat, you had to eat a scroll. Could you imagine that? One of it tasted good. I remember when Abigail was little, she was, wow, excuse me, sorry for my blowing. That was me blowing. Um, Abigail was little, and she literally like ate part of my Bible. She ate a couple pages of my Bible. And it uh, didn't help or any. But um, buy a girdle and then dig it and then bury it and then go dig it up. Okay. Okay. That's weird. All right. Eat dung cake. Go make a cake of feces. Tell to the nation, that, tell to the nation of Israel that you're actually making, it's actually human dung. But don't worry, you're going to eat cow dung. Okay, Lord. Well, as long as it's cow dung and actually human dung, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Could you imagine God telling Ezekiel to do this and he did it? And we think Ezekiel was crazy. They thought Ezekiel was gone mad. And if God told you, brother, if God told you, brother Scalf, to go and eat dung, and you sat there with a plate of dung on your, I mean, you're like, God told me to. They would check you into the same asylum. Roll over on your side for a long period of time and then roll over to the other side without saying a word. Stare at the wall for so many years. <laughs> what? That's what God told him to do. Sometimes it may seem crazy to the world what God is telling you to do. Carry a gate and set it outside the city. That wasn't Samson. That was Ezekiel. I read through Ezekiel and I was like... It was funny because I'm reading through Ezekiel the whole same time my wife's in the hospital. You know, and I'm like, things are already clouded enough. I'm reading Ezekiel, and I'm like, 
why am I reading Ezekiel and my wife's on the respirator? I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Don't mourn your wife's death. That triggered. Don't mourn your wife. Your wife's going to die, but don't mourn for her. <laughs> no problem. Sure. No, no, this is my wife. I love my wife. I'm not supposed to mourn my wife's death. Interesting. Poor Ezekiel. Obedience may seem odd to the ungodly and to the untoward generation, but to God it is pleasing. We're to be peculiar. Good job, Brother Tannis. <laughs> you got that one down. But you, you, you own that part pretty good right there, amen? But obedience may seem odd, but that's what we're called to do. We're supposed to be obedient. It may seem odd to us of what God is asking us to do. Abraham, yes, Lord? I want you to leave your father's house. Leave everything you've ever known. Leave the area you've grown up in. All your business associations, all your trades, all your store accounts, everything you have. I want you to take, every, I want you to take all that you have. I want you to take your family. I want you to leave, and I want you to go to a land I'll show you. Just pack up and go. Hey, Noah. Yes, Lord? I want you to build an ark. What's an ark? <laughs> it's like a big boat. What's a boat? Didn't make any sense. But that's what, God, that's, what, that's what God wants from us, is obedience. And if you want to call it blind followership, fine. Call it blind followership. But trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. Does it make any sense? Do it anyway. That's obedience. Let's talk about offerings. By him, therefore, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to our God continually. Sorry, offer the sacrifices to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Offering is, is, a, is a free will gift to God out of our love and honor. A tithe is something you give out of obligation. Okay? You give a tithe out of obligation. That's what God requires of us. But does not God also require from us our love? So sacrifice and offerings are just as much of obedience as tithes are. And before you start thinking I'm not about your money, I told you I am, but I'm not really all about your money. I want your left kidney. But it sounds different when I ask for money, all right? By your offerings, the things that you willfully give to God out of your sincere heart to the Lord. I, I think his name is Gary Chapman. I don't really agree with everything he says, but he says that there's love languages, right? And it's not French. So the, the love languages that he has is like, there's like some people love by giving. Some people love by service. Some people live by, live by, love by affirmations, by words, by saying kind words. Some by, you know, they have to touch. They have to, they have to demonstrate their love through touch. And there's another couple other ones, whatever. My love, my wife, my love is usually sarcasm. So if I'm sarcastic with you, I love you. Um, when we tie, that ought to, it's, it's out of obligation. It's what God requires from us. It's what God expects of us. When we, when we worship the Lord in song, it's our tithe. God commands us to sing to the Lord. God commands us to come to church. God commands us to witness. God commands us to love one another. God commands us to do these things. God commands us to be separate from the world. These are commands. 
But yet when we do it, it's almost like we owe God a favor, like we're doing God a favor by doing the things that he commanded us. That's what he told us to do. That's our reasonable service, right? Go to Romans chapter, number, uh, Romans chapter 12. Coming before the Lord with singing, that is an offering. That is something that we can all do. Uh, Romans, I said, right? Sounds like a good book. I'll just go there. I'll find what I'm looking for. <laughs> Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's, that's, our, that's, that's, that's what he's asking us. I'm begging you to do what you're supposed to do. Right? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says we're supposed to sacrifice offerings. Well, that's out of love. That's above and beyond. You can sing a song. We can sing and just sing because we're supposed to sing. But when we actually sing, we can do the same action but with love. When we do it differently. When, you know, we sing a song. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. How, how, how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king throughout eternity. But we sing out of love. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Isn't it sad that we have to get past the first song on Sunday mornings of duty? And by the second song, we're halfway warming up. By the third song, we're like, let's sing some more. And Pastor's like, wait, 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 wait. Now it's time for the preaching. I'm like, oh, come on. Pick out the good songs first, right? But we're supposed to sing. And when we sing, it's the same thing. We're commanded to sing, but we're supposed to sing out of praise unto God. And it's an offering. What about this? Our living sacrifice. Living for the Lord, a holy, acceptable life unto God, giving our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's our reasonable service. Look at verse 2. Go a step further and talk about love. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's the next level. That's the next level. Offering praise unto our God. Even praise, not just singing, but offering praise. Prime the pump. Prime the pump. If we treat prayer like, a, like God's genie service, we come on Wednesday nights, we rub lamp. Pray for my health. Pray for Sister Susan's health. Pray for my neighbor's health. He's got cancer. And I'm not saying don't pray for people. But why is it that we have more prayer than we do praise? Hey, Tim, why is it that you have more prayer than you do praise? Something's wrong with that. Go to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, please. Matthew chapter number 6. We're supposed to have testimony, or, or, or the testimony, or that when we testify of things, that's also a praise. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. The Bible says it in Psalms 145, verse 4. Our witnessing, our evangelism, is directly tied to the worship of his holiness. Many do not proclaim the gospel because they have not come to grips with the holiness of God. 
That was good. That was one of those da 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 moments. So our evangelism is directly tied to the worship of God's holiness. The reason why many people do not witness is because they have never come to grips with the holiness of God. I, in the moment, in a year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the glory, and his glory filled the temple, right? His train filled the temple, and he saw God sitting on his throne, and he said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he says, I am an unclean man. But then God says, Who will go for us? Whom shall we send? And they said, Let's send missionaries. Let's hire a pastor. Let's have the pastor go out and go soul winning. Let's, let's hire an assistant pastor. Lord, help us. Just kidding. I love Brother Preston. Let's, let's hire someone else to help us do this work. No. If, you've never, we, if you and I have never come to grips with the holiness of God, we got a problem. And us soul winning is simply our response to us seeing the holiness of God. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'll go. I'll tell the world. That's that response of us seeing the holiness of God. And that's an offering. Hey, we're commanded to go. We're commanded to go and preach the gospel. We're commanded to declare, the, to declare his, his praise and his works to another. We're, we shall declare the mighty acts. But witnessing evangelism, that comes from our offering unto the Lord. How, are you robbing God with your tithes and your offerings? In prayer. A lot of times, we, 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 sometimes we fail God in prayer. Do you realize, and I tell this to the, the people in the nursing home, and I said, hey, let's pray for such and such. And they go, that's all we can do is pray. I'm like, time out a second. I want you to stop and for a second realize this. I said, okay. You're in a place where your food is given to you, you got food provided, yes or yes. And you have shelter, yes or yes. And you have a bed to sleep on, yes or yes. And you have clothes on your back, yes or yes. Yes. Okay. And your physical needs are met, yes or yes. Yes. God has taken everything else from you away. All the distractions, the cares of this world, Everything that stops us from spending time with God. And if we can't get past that and accept the fact that God has put us in a place where all we can do is look up and pray and worship and pray, and we realize that prayer is not the last resort, it's the first resort. The last thing we should do is, the last thing is not prayer. Well, I guess all we have to do is pray. The first thing we should do is pray. Prayer is not the last resort. It's the first resort. And I'm, and I'm saying that I'm learning this as a, every time I turn around. And I, I do good for a while. And then the cares of the world choke up the seed. And I want to. But prayer. Keep your place here in Matthew chapter 6. I promise I'm coming back to it. I shouldn't promise. My hope is I'm coming back to this. Go to Psalms chapter number 5. I said in haste, all men are liars. Except when preaching. And even then, we're just evangelically speaking, all right? Psalms chapter number five. You ever stop and wonder how Paul could preach till midnight? <laughs> I don't know why. Psalms chapter number five. 
Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. There's three forms of prayer. There's words, there's meditations, and there's cry. It's all found right there in those three verses. There's words, there's meditation, and there's cry. Meditation isn't a weird yoga pose. Meditation is us reflecting on God's word and praying accordingly. It's us stopping, meditating on the words of God, and letting the word of God develop our thoughts, the words out of our mouth. You know what it is? It's God putting us on the couch, if I could say this without hurting anyone's feelings. It's God putting us in a therapy session, putting us on the couch, hitting record, playing some soft music in the background, and just sitting there and saying, tell me about your day. Now we're one-on-one with the Lord, and his words pop into our head. Be angry and sin not. Man, I blew it today. Okay? What happened? I wasn't slow to, slow to speak and quick to hear. Mm-hmm. I didn't dwell with my wife according to knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right? Provoked your children under wrath. Mm. I wasn't trusting in God at this moment. Mm. I didn't kill the flesh. I didn't kill the old man. Mm. I was operating out of anger, out of jealousy, out of rage. Mm. Wow, this has been a minute. If I get 59 more minutes of this. Meditating on God's word, but meditating in prayer and letting God, letting the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And letting God fill us in that role, right? So going back to Matthew chapter 6, the disciples come to Jesus in another passage. Somewhere in Luke, I think it is. But they come to the Lord and they're asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples to pray. So they're coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, I found this kind of interesting because the men have been knowing how to pray since way back. Genesis 4, 26, the Bible says, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. They learned how to trust the Lord. They got saved in the Old Testament, right? And they got saved in the Old Testament by calling upon the name of the Lord. And they were praying in the Old Testament. And they were serving. They, they, they've been praying for years. In fact, the Bible says, though Daniel, Job, and Noah were in it, as I live, saith the Lord, they shall deliver neither son or daughter. God calls Noah, Job, and Daniel the greatest prayer warriors on the face of the earth. Men have been praying for a long time. Lord, teach us to pray. You, you don't know how to pray? No. What we want is an easy way out. Water takes the path of least resistance. What we want is a secret formula. What we want is the magic thing so we can simply pray, get it on with our day, bring our request to God, get our genie, get our genie requests answered so we can get on with our day, living our life. That's what we've turned prayer into. Prayer in Ephesians chapter 6 is, an offensive well, is, a, is our only offensive weapon. It's the only offensive weapon we have. The helmet, 
for protection. The girdle, for protection. Shoes, shod with a preparation to gospel peace, that's, 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 an off, that's, that's for protection. Breastplate, protection. Our shield, protection. The sword, protection. The only offensive weapon we actually have is prayer. The, the apostles ask Jesus to teach him how to pray. Men have been praying for 4,000 for 4, years to this point. The greatest prayer warriors were all in the past. But Christ taught his disciples the, principle, the principles of prayer in Matthew, chapter, in Matthew chapter 6. He taught them these simple things through worship. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? So first he goes through prayer, through worship. The principles of prayer is worship. Hallowed be thy name. We come to the door. When we come to the Lord in prayer, we come through worship. His, we pray according to his will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Praying according to his will. Praying for daily, for daily, for daily provision and devotion. Give us this day our daily bread. That's our supplications. Give us this day our daily bread. Right there in Matthew chapter 6. Forgiveness. Forgive, forgiveness for us and intercession for others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we forgive others. Right? The Bible says in the other passage, it says, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass. Right? Our trespasses. Right? Not just our debts, but our trespasses. You know, we don't sin against one another. We sin against God. Right? But the trespass is what we do one towards another. And then he brings us back to deliverance and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Praise and glory goes to God. The door by which we enter and exit prayer is praise. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Men are looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. E.M. Bounds said that in one of his books. Men talk about how to pray, but we are encouraged to pray. You know, we can, someone else said this way, we can do no great thing until we can do the prayer thing. Someone else said, if we ask him like we should, he will answer like he would. Amen. I want to take the next five minutes, if I can, the next four minutes, and tell you a couple prayer requests that God has answered in a big way in my life. And tell you that we're supposed to offer the sacrifice of prayer. And prayer is something more than just something we do in, in cliche. It's not something that, and I don't want to talk about prayer. I want to encourage you to experience prayer. And I want to be encouraged to keep on experiencing prayer. I was a young kid. I want to say I was five years old, six years old. I had just got saved. My grandfather lived next door with my grandmother, and they were not the greatest. My grandpa had a walker, and he sat on Saturday mornings and used to eat. He used to have his little parry knife, his little, you know, cheap parry knife, and he'd sit there and he'd peel off um, cucumbers with a salt and pepper shaker and watch wrestling on Saturday mornings. Sanctified stuff, right? And we sit, and he'd sit there and he'd come over, and I'd say, Grandpa, I really wish you'd come to church early tomorrow. And he says, nah. And he sat there and gum, gum on, his, on his cucumbers and sliced me off a couple. And I'd say, Grandpa, I really, can I tell you about Jesus? As a five, six-year-old boy, can I tell you about Jesus? No, 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 no. Week after week, day after day, Grandpa, can I tell you? No, 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 no. I remember going to the Lord and praying, God, please help me witness to my grandpa. God, please save my grandpa. I don't want him to go to hell. I don't want my grandma to go to hell. God, will you please save them? Late one night, 
my grandfather was watching late night TV, and on TV, there came a preacher on a late night TV and special, and the guy got up and preached. And my grandfather saw it, heard the preaching, God pricked his heart, God convicted him he needed to get saved. My grandfather got saved. My grandmother got saved. God answers prayer. Fast forward a couple more years. I was 12 years old. My mom was in the hospital. She, had, she was very bad diabetic. She was very brittle, you know, a lot of terrible diabetic. Um, they were fixing to go and amputate her leg because she had gangrene coming up from her foot. It was bad. They were, they were, she was in the hospital for two weeks. They couldn't get the infection out of her leg. The doctor said, hey, I'm just letting you know the, the infection's gotten worse. We've been marking it. It's gangrene. We can't save it. We've got to go ahead and cut this off. Surgery is scheduled for tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning. This was, on a, this was on, a, on a Thursday morning. We went to church. We asked the church to pray. The church prayed, took special time out of the service and actually prayed. And we all came to the altar. We prayed. When we went back to the hospital that night, and the pastor, and Pastor Carpenter, the youth pastor, went there as well, and a couple of the deacons, and they got together, and they prayed all over my, all over my mom, and they, they, they prayed, and they asked God to save my mom's leg and to help her health. The next morning, the doctor went in to do some last-minute x-rays, gone. Gangrene is gone. Health, God, see, God, God did something with health. God answers for salvation. God answers for health. Fast forward, I was going to college, and I was in college. Um, this is something so simple, but it meant a lot to me. My wife and I were on a date. We're at the mall. Oh, why the mall? But we're at the mall. The only place worse than the mall is Walmart, and all the men said. And at tops the mall is Hobby Lobby. Can I get a witness from the congregation? So my wife and my, my, my wife at my time where my girlfriend was there and the Father's Day was coming up. It was like around this time about, I don't know, a million years ago. Feels like a million years ago. 23 years ago? 22 years ago? 23 years ago. And my wife's like, hey, you're going to the father and son, you know, activity at the church. I said, no, my dad's not here. And, he's, and she says, I really wish you would go. And I said, hon, I don't think I'd go. And she said, why don't you go? I know that if you went, someone, you know, I'm sure there's older guys in the church who would let you sit with them. They could be like a father to you and you'd be a son to them. I said, honey, if someone asks me, I will. My wife said, okay, I'm going to pray right now. She literally bowed her head in the mall, bowed her head and asked God that someone from the church would invite me to go as their son. I was lonely. I wanted, I needed a friend. I needed someone like that. And I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. My wife bowed, my wife bowed her head and prayed. I'm like, okay. Literally five minutes later, around the corner comes a guy from our church that we worked in the bus route with, Brother Congdon, and he says, it's funny I should run into you. I was just thinking, I really wanted to go to this father and son activity, but I don't have a son. And God laid you on my heart, and here you are. I looked at my wife, and she goes, My wife and I were, I was pastoring the church in upstate New York. Our piano died in the middle of service. I'm not, not killed over that, but the action stopped. Dun, 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 nothing happened. Looked at my wife, she looked at me, and she was like, you know, I was like, we have nothing. I'm like, okay, we're going to go a cappella. We went through. I preached that sermon that night, that, that sermon that morning on, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. I told the church afterwards that our piano was dead. We got a new, we needed a new piano by Sunday. How many will you pray right now that God will give us a new piano? couple hands kind of laughed and kind of, yo, sure, I'll pray. Okay, great. I'm praying. 
I prayed Sunday. I prayed Monday. Tuesday, I prayed. I went to another church in the area. I had to drop off some stuff. We were having a pastor's fellowship, and I dropped off. I said, talk to the pastor. I said, hey, pastor, do you know anybody who's got a piano, a used piano? I said, it could be used upright. I just need a piano to play. Ours died. He says, it's funny you should say that. Come with me. I got in my car. I drove to his church member's house. I, he brings me through his house, down the backyard, through the snow, into this shed, and I walk in, and there's pianos everywhere. The guy makes or fixes and tunes and sells baby grand pianos. Now, my wife is joking with the piano. My wife's telling the ladies, after I drove the van route home, and my wife is telling the ladies, I'm, if we're praying for a piano, I'm paying for a baby grand. I forgot that very important thing. I go over there. I said, hey, Brother Brian. I said, hey, my, I, our piano died. I, we don't have a lot of money. I've got some money put together. I can buy a piano. I don't have a lot. Really, I don't have a lot. I'm willing to make payments. Is it something you can help us with? He says, it's funny you should say that. Someone gave me, called me on Sunday afternoon and said, I've got this baby grand piano. The thing is, I got way too much room in my shed. I need it out of here. I'll tune it up. I'll deliver it. I just need to help you. Need to, I need you to help me arrange people from your church to help set it up. I said, I can have it there on Thursday. He goes, great, in time for church. Thursday, more, Thursday my wife's sitting there piano the piano. It's 6.40. People come in. Jaws hit the floor. Never underestimate prayer. Never underestimate what God can do. Fast forward a couple years ago. We were at Friendship Baptist in Akron. I was up there. We were remodeling the auditorium. We are trying to get it ready. We got into this new building. And we were trying to get it all set to go. And we, were, we, we, we scrimped and we saved and we did everything we could. But we were literally $2,500 short from finishing the auditorium, what we needed for our first Sunday. I've already gave the landlord the leasing, the leasing property. I already gave them um, our leaving date. So we were already leaving the date from there. And we needed to have this done now. And I'm up against the wall. And I'm like, Lord, you got to work something out. I remember I was working on sanding and making a bunch of noise, and I sat down to take, a, to take a breath and to drink some water, and I got a phone call. And he says, Pastor DeLello? I said, yes, sir. He goes, you don't know me. I said, nope. He says, this is Jim Boss. He says, we have a ministry that, it, we, that helps churches that are doing building programs. I said, Okay. He says, I don't know why, I don't know how, I, I, I've been trying to get a hold of you for a couple of weeks, I didn't have your number, I just found your number, I've got a check sitting here for $2,500, I just need to know where to send it to. Before I even started praying, God already knew I needed it, and had already had it put aside for me. But if we don't ask him, we'll never receive. These are not just things I'm telling you that, I can tell you a thousand, we could all sit back for a whole entire day and just talk about the answered prayer that God has given us. I'm not just talking about health. I've talked to you about relationships. I've talked to you about healing. I've told you about encouragement. I'll say this one last one. I promise I'll be done. I close my Bible and everything. I was, pastor, I'm sorry. I was in the hospital. I was literally like up against the wall. My leg was fixed to be amputated. I was, I was bad off. I had a super bad, I'm not diabetic, but I had a super bad infection in my leg. I was in the hospital for 25 days. I was seriously despondent, discouraged. I had called for mental health to come by and at least talk to me. I was seriously at the place where I, God was answering my prayer. I just felt like I was all alone. I was discouraged. I was distraught. I didn't know what to do. I got on my knees. I, I, I got, I, in my head, I could, could only get on my knees. I was laying in the hospital, but I couldn't move. I said, God, I need to know that you're not done with me. And God, I'm fleecing you. 
is it sad that I'm fleecing God, but God, I'm fleecing you. And God, if you would just have someone that I haven't talked to in a while, call me and just give me these words. Have him say these exact words I'm praying to you. I prayed a specific prayer, like 17, 18 words, like saying, hey, God's not done with you. I'm praying for you. I don't know what's going through, but hold on. God's going to work a miracle. Something simple like that. Within 15 minutes of that prayer, I got a phone call. The preacher at the other end called and says, hey, I've been trying to get a hold of you for about 15 minutes. I didn't have your phone number. I finally got a hold of somebody. They got a hold of somebody. I got your number. Like, why does nobody have my number? Like, what is wrong? He calls me up and he says, the exact same words that I prayed that God would send somebody to pray for me. And from that moment on, the infection dripped out of my leg. Job's circumstances and problems all stopped when he prayed for his friends. Take prayer seriously. It's not our last resort. It's our first resort. Let's pray. Father, I know I've gone over time, and I'm so sorry for taking that. For taking that. But Lord, I believe you want us to know how important prayer is. And Lord, I pray that you would just work in our hearts and, and, our, and have your will and way. God, I pray that you would just teach us to pray and learn to pray and focus on prayer. And I pray you'd, you'd be um, honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I just have a short invitation, but I believe it's important that prayer is a personal thing to us. Appreciate the testimonies, the illustrations, and in reality, God has got to be real in our life. That's the bottom line. I'm not talking about it is great that you can see God working in other people's lives. It's great to read the Bible and, and see how God worked in the past. But the question this morning is, is God working in your life? As the piano plays, the altar's open. It, it doesn't have to be some resounding great story of prayer. It starts small. It starts with, trusting God and watching God work and move in your life. It does grow from there. There's no doubt about it. Our faith can grow, be expanded. But it needs to start somewhere. And it needs to be real in our life. What are you asking God for? What are you praying for?